Hi everyone, it's your girl Shekilola Salami and this is the Shekilola Salami Show. It's a podcast show set in a virtual cafe. I'm sitting down on this very, very grey day in London. My little girl, she's sitting down next to me very quietly and she's promised to be on her best behaviour. But you know how she loves saying hello to everyone, so I'm going to let her say hello to you guys today. But then she's got her mouth full though, so I don't know how much talk she can say. Can you say hello? Go on then. Yes, okay. We'll close our mouth now till we swallow. Okay? Right. So um, there we go. So my three-year-old has said hello, everyone, and hope you're all doing well. Um, I'm going to really try to not talk about the great miserable weather here. So anywho, who have I got here with the cafe with me? Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. And how are you? Who's this? Oh. Oh, this is Phil DeLuca. Glad to, glad to be on your show. Hi, Phil. Um, how are you doing? Oh, doing good. Doing good. Thank you. Excited you to uh, be sharing information with your listeners. Yes. And are you going to tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah. <laughs> yes, be glad to. I'm a, I'm a therapist, psychotherapist in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, USA. And... Um, I came up with an alternative to conventional communication approaches, which are uh, accepted as settled science, so to speak, but are highly destructive to uh, relationships um, and even people's health. They were developed in the 70s. Uh, you know, the, the, the meat, that was the time of Woodstock and uh, skinny dipping and streaking and get in touch with your feelings and be true and raw at all times and uh that's 50 years out of date and it doesn't yeah so oh, it's not that sounds that sounds interesting so a psychologist well this is the first time i've had a psychologist a psychologist in my virtual cafe um so tell us tell us about this communication thing that you're talking about it sounds very intriguing you know because and most of the time i tend to get a lot of authors come and you know authors, books, publishing, communication, you know, that kind of goes with the territory. So you're talking about an alternative to communication. I'm intrigued now. Yeah, I call my approach untalk therapy and untherapy. Untalk untherapy. Why untalk? Because what I do is I teach people how not to communicate, not to talk. Hit a pause switch when you're upset. Uh, and then I call it untherapy because I teach people, you know, most, most therapy, when you have marriage problems or relationship problems, you go to therapists, you give them the information and then they give you the answer back. Well, I teach people the skill, the knowledge on how to fix their own relationships. So they don't need me. Uh, and that, that's so that's what I do. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's contra conventional approaches, you know, basically the conventional approaches were developed like we mentioned earlier in the 60s and 70s and you know it basically comes down to three things get in touch with your anger repressed anger is really bad uh always be honest and open with your feelings no secrets and one of the most destructive and common is deal with the problem now uh don't go to bed mad at each other or you're running from the problem do any of these sound familiar yes no definitely yeah and people you know they don't work what, you know, for instance, express your anger, get it out. Repressed anger is bad. Well, repressed anger is bad, but what they leave out is um, 
episodic anger outbursts increase your heart attack and stroke rate by 500% for two hours following that angry outburst. And over time, they increase your heart and stroke rate um, 2,000% and cancer 3,000%. So they leave that out of the equation. Get in touch with your anger and get it out. And what they leave out is, and then call the ambulance because you may need them. Uh, you know, so uh, they, they, there's a there's a lot of things that, uh, and they're not supported by science. You know, we're into a holistic health now, alternative health, nutrition, exercise, um, meditation. Uh, those, so it's just a whole new world of, of treating people health-wise uh, and also communication. You know, I call this communication of the 21st century. It's like, it's 50 years old, it, it contradicts science, brain science. Have you heard of neuroplasticity? No, I haven't. It's the latest brain science, for instance. You know, there's th hundreds of thousands of articles coming out. And basically what it says is we used to think the brain stopped growing after a certain age, like 15, 20, 25. Now we know it grows throughout our life, so it keeps growing and adapting to our environment. So what I happens is- thought it was common sense that the brain would keep, you know, growing and adapting to our environment because, you know, you learn things, you know, you've got stimuli, you know, all throughout your life. You would think that, but, you know, I even hear people now say, you know, I thought the brain stopped growing at age 25. I mean, when I grew up, that's what we were taught. Well, the new brain science says the brain, if you use it, it grows. And if you don't use it, it shrinks. And it only takes four days for it to reform. So uh, if you put together the science, we have, are you familiar? Let's, let's put that aside for a minute. Are you for flight response? Have you heard of that? Yes, I have, sorry. <laughs> yeah, basically the fight or flight response is, uh, you know, for, the for our purposes, we have two parts of our brain we want to focus on, our three. We have our front brain, our thinking brain. I call it our genius brain because it's our creative brain, our smart brain. Okay. Uh, language skills, uh, memory, well, thoughts, uh, love, caring, humor, love, spirituality. It all comes from our cerebral cortex. People might be familiar with that term. Yeah. Uh, and, and then in the back part of our brain that we share with the lower life forms, like think of crocodiles, it's right behind our ears, it's called the amygdala. I hmm. call it our crocodile brain because it's the exact same mechanism. Okay. And, in be and, in and that's dark, bleak, doom, gloom, only interested in survival and protection at the moment. Okay? So um, what happens is in between those two is our hypothalamus. It's a switching unit and it switches blood from the front of the brain to the back of the brain. And both brains are connected to, through the autonomic nervous system to 90% uh, of our organs. So when we get upset, the body perceives a threat. Now it's real bad at perceiving real from imagined threats, big from small. That's why, you know, since, since survival is potentially at stake, better to overreact then underreact. So that's why we react the same way to somebody taking our parking spot we were waiting for patiently <laughs> as to a T-Rex about to eat us. You know, the body is like, it reacts the same way. And then, so what happens is 
Blood gets rerouted from our front thinking brain. The hypothalamus switches the blood. Think of train tracks. It switches the train tracks, the blood flow from the front of the brain to the back of the brain. And up to 75% of our blood flow stops. So think of a limb. You know, a few weeks ago, I fell asleep on my arm. And when I woke up, I mentally could not move it. I'm sure that's happened to you and your yeah. viewers. So what do you have? That's because there's no blood flow there. So I mentally could not move it. I had to move it manually with my hand or in case of a leg, I had to drag it along, you know. And then blood starts flowing, it starts tingling, and then you mentally can activate it and use it. Well, that's what happens with the brain. When we get upset, the hypothalamus, the switching unit, switches blood from the front of our brain, which shuts down. And now we can't access our thinking qualifications, our appraisal of the situation, our judgment, our self-control, uh, uh, and it switches back to our back brain, which becomes um, like the Hulk. We get on, it's like <laughs> the back brain's on steroids. And so now it pumps up, and this all happens in a millionth of a second, now it pumps up all our organs. Our, we can feel our blood pressure rising, our heart pumping hard, uh, we start getting sweaty, our palms might get sweaty, uh, etc. You have all of these whole body now is getting ramped up for this fight to the death. But all that happened was somebody put the dishes in the wrong way in the dishwasher. You know, <laughs> that's all that happened. But we're now in a combat mode. Our thinking brain that's judging the situation and appraising this is gone. We can't use it. So now we're in this back brain. Uh, and then what happens is, um, think about this now, we're gonna have a conversation about this dishwasher issue and it gets all out of control. You ever try to reason with someone when they're upset? Everything you say, they twist into pretzels, <laughs> right? You know, if, know. You say, if, you say, if you say now calm down, they scream at you, I am calm, right? <laughs> <laughs> getting in your face and spitting all over you. <laughs> you know, if you try to leave because you know it's going to be a bad interaction, what do, you, what do they do? They follow you. If you right? If you close the door, they come in. If you lock the door, they bang on the door. Hmm. If, right? If you try to leave the house, they may follow you out of the house. I've had people run alongside the car as the other party's driving away, finishing the argument. Some people have hung on the windshield. And I'm talking about women hanging on the windshield, trying to finish the argument uh, as the husband or the man's trying to drive away. Now, men tend to, they don't hang on windshields because that's not manly enough. They just smash the windows and dent the car. So, uh, <laughs> you know, they have a, each gender head. But, What's happening? Why won't they let you escape? You know, why, when you try to calm the situation down, won't they let you calm it down? Have you ever thought about that? No, I uh, haven't. Ha have you noticed that happening? Not all the time, no. Okay, so sometimes when you try to stop the conversation and they're upset, they will keep it going. Is that right? Well, I mean, I do know a few people, but I think I've sort of got to the thing where, you know, if you're talking about sort of me personally, right, where most people I'll be like, enough, that's kind of like my stop it now, right? Because this is going to go down really badly. It's kind of like enough, take a step back, you know, escape from the situation. 
And so we, we sort of, you know, me and my friends, you know, we then back away from each other and, you know, or most times we just end the call. And then when you're in a rational thinking mind, you then come back again and discuss. That's exactly right. And that's, that's, that's really news to most people. 95% of people having conflict issues, that's news. They can't do it. Really? Yes. You know, because let's go back to the conventional approaches, which we talked about. Always be in touch with your anger. Uh, always be honest and, and get it out. Always be honest and open about what you feel and deal with it now or you're running from the problem. So what happens is these conventional approaches push people into dealing with it when they're in this antagonistic conflict mode. And so they just put the whole system on steroids. Let me give you an example of how this works. So I'm going to put on, imagine this, I'm putting on blue glasses, right? Mm. Uh, Sunblockers, blue. So now everything I see is blue. All right, so let's imagine that's my crocodile brain, dark, bleak, doom, gloom, very warped, very distorted. Now, everything I'm seeing looks real to me, but it's not, right? Everything's not blue. The ceiling's not painted blue. The walls are not painted blue. Your complexion is not blue, but I'm convinced it is, mm. all right? Now, you're seeing this through your front brain very clear, logical, because um, when we get into this crocodile brain, there's mood, attitude, and thought changes. Our thoughts get scrambled, our moods get dark, and our attitudes become provocative. All right, so I'm in that mood now. I've got the blue glasses representing that. You're in your thinking brain, still calm, seeing it through a very clear lens. All right, so now I say, uh, I've got this piece of paper. I'm out of copier paper, and I'm saying, I need copier paper. I got this project I got to get done. I got to print it off. My boss, he's a real crazy man. Uh, so I got to get this out. So you volunteer to get me copy of paper. Mm -hmm. You go to the store, you bring back copy of paper, and I'm looking at it upset through these blue glasses, right? And what color copy of paper am I seeing? Blue, right? Mm. So I'm saying to you, what's your problem? I asked for copy of paper. You, you brought back blue paper. I can't submit this report to my boss with blue paper. He'll throw me out, they'll fire me. And you say what back? That's it's not blue, that's white, correct? I don't know what you're talking about. That's white paper, I got you just what you wanted. I'm like, now remember this brain is paranoid, suspicious, trust believes nothing, survival's at stake. So I say back to myself, I think, or I say to you, what do you think, I'm crazy? You think I'm stupid? I don't know blue when I see blue. Hmm. Uh, or you're lying to me. You think I'm a fool. I'm not going to be lied to. And so now I attack you. What's your problem? Why are you lying to me? So what do you say back? I'm not lying to you. That is white. Then I say back to you, you know, that's something stupid. Like your mother would say, now there's a real idiot. Now you get upset, right? Now I'm introducing a topic has nothing to do with this. So now you get upset and you say, uh, what do you keep bringing my, what do you bring my mother up for this? She died 20 years ago. She loved you like a son. I say back, she didn't love anybody. She loved herself. She was the most selfish person I ever met. Now you're really upset. So to represent that, we're going to give you, uh, green glasses. All right. So now I'm, I'm seeing this world reality in quotes through blue you're seeing it through green. Both of us are in this crocodile survival brain. 
Now we're going back to the discussion of this piece of paper. And I say to you, so are you going to tell me that this, this paper is, is blue, is white? Are you going to tell me that? And what do you say back? No, it's not white. It's green. And then I'm like, green, first it was white, then it was green. The fool than I thought. And now you say, don't call me a fool. You're the fool. And now we go off on this huge tangent. Mm, mm. So that's where conventional approaches run into problems. The new science that we've learned, over, especially over the last 20 years, has shown that when we get into this, uh, all the physiological changes that occur in the body, the uh, blood reroute, the, blood, the front brain just basically shuts down. We're seeing things through this survival brain. And the worst thing you want to do then is engage the other party because when we're in this mood, the we're not in a conflict resolving way. That's front brain, genius brain. We're in a conflict seeking way. So right. that's what, so that's the worst thing you could possibly do. So let's plug in conventional approaches. Always get your anger out. Well, I get it out of my chest and I put it into yours. Uh, always be uh, honest and open. So now, right, I'm going to see things through this dark, bleak lens. And I'm going to tell you what I, quote, really feel. I'm going to bring up old topics, irrelevant topics. I'm going to bring up stuff that's 20 years old. Uh, and always deal with it now. Never run from the uh, problem. Don't go to bed mad at each other. Well, you know, that does work because if they talk about it before they go to bed in that mode and want to resolve it and get it out of the way before they go, before they, they go to bed, they're not going to go to bed mad at each other because they're not going to go to bed. They'll be up all night and the next night and the next night, you know? So, and then the other thing that this does is all disease is, in, is, is inflammation of the body. That's what disease is. No inflammation and we pretty much have eliminated all disease. So the fight or flight response is an inflammation process. And what we're doing is we're jacking up the inflammation process. We're keeping it active. Right. We're throwing fuel on the fire. That's why the statistics I gave you earlier, when we get in touch with our anger and get it out while we're angry in that mode, it increases our heart attack and stroke rate 500% and over time, 2000%. It contributes to uh, cancer, autoimmune, I mean, you can go on and on. Diabetes, it changes the way. Okay, here's another thing. Have you ever wondered why you're under stress? We have, you have, a, we have a craving for comfort food, what are called comfort food, which is greasy, I've, sugary I've heard food. It, but I, it's not something I actually indulge in, so I'm not sure why. <laughs> well, many of your, many of your listeners will, will relate to that because what happens is, you know, our body is uh, full of bacteria. We've got a trillion bacteria and viruses and stuff in our body. And what happens is when we eat, uh, they process the food, they break it down and then they release chemicals uh, to help us digest it. Well, the proper balance is 85% good bacteria, 15% bad. Well, under stress, the body turns from alkaline to acidic. Under the, uh, an acidic, the, the bad, the bad, um, bacteria thrive and the good bacteria die off. Oh, that's my dog. Don't mind the dog in the back. And then what, and then what happens is, see the good bacteria, here's something people don't realize. 95% of our serotonin is produced in our stomach, not our brain. And it's okay. produced 
by the good bacteria. So when we get under stress and the bad bacteria thrives, they get hungry and they send a message, a chemical message to the brain that says, feed me. Therefore, we have a craving for sugary, greasy, carbs, foods. At the same time, the good bacteria dies off and the serotonin level drops. That's why under stress, we get sad and even depressed because our feel good, one of our feel good chemicals gets shut off. Hmm. So anyway, that's, that's kind of, and, and, you know, we'll go back to, uh, there's, there's all these other chemical changes under stress. It alters uh, how we process fat. Um, I mean, the list is enormous. Um, it, ch it changes everything about us. Uh, that's why the, the, the uh, pre it increases premature uh, death, uh, aging, pre increases premature aging from uh, nine to 17 years chronic stress. Um, anyway, we have all of these things that it does. Yeah. The, other, the other part of the science is what's called, we talked about earlier, the neuroplasticity. So over the brain adapts to our environment. It only takes, so what happens over time when we're in this chronic stress situation, now just picture this, the front brain shrinks over time. The brain is like, hey, I don't need these love, caring, warmth, self-control neurons anymore. I haven't used them in a long time. And then it expands our back uh, survival brain, uh, crocodile brain neurons. It says, hey, I need more of these. So because I'm using them all the time. So the brain is like a muscle. If we use it, it grows. And if we don't use it, it shrinks. Yeah. So over time, when we're in these chronic, argumentative, conflict, stressful situations, front brain shrinks, back brain become, grows and becomes our default setting. What's the default setting? Well, after a while, it happens automatically. You don't think about it. It just takes over. It's like that's how we become we develop habits, they become our default setting. So now people are in the situation where our lens is chronically stuck in this dark place. Yeah. That's why people then will, will say, I worry constantly, I'm always anxious because the body, the fight or flight response is anticipating some imminent attack. Um, people will say, I have these negative thoughts about my partner and I'm always thinking the worst things. He, I'll hear quotes, he's always defensive. No matter what I say, he's defensive. She attacks me no matter what I say. So those are indicative of the brain that's become out of balance. Yeah. And, and the survival brain is, is taken over. And they call that, we call that, uh, I call that crocodile brain hijack. And here's how this works. If you've ever been upset and you've heard this internal dialogue going on inside your head, front part of the part of you have one thought that says, stay calm, you know, there's gonna re be real bad if you say or do something. And then you hear this other little voice, that's front brain talking to the back brain, which is saying, no, do it right now. Come on, don't take that. If you ever had that conversation between those two brains, that's the two brain, those two thoughts, that's the two brains actually talking to each other and you're actually spying on the, on the brain. You're actually oh, hearing, really? yes, you're actually hearing the conversation. Now, if at some point your back brain wins out and it's like, ah, oh, the heck with it, I'm going to say it anyway, that's called 
survival or crocodile brain hijack and it takes over the brain. And then people will say, it's like when, that, when I cross that line, it's like I turn into another person. I can hear the words coming out of my mouth, but I can't stop them. It's like I'm watching my life unfold and I can't do anything about it. If you've ever seen somebody, here's another example. That's, that's crocodile brain hijack where it takes over the body and now it co-ops our reasoning, loving part of ourselves, And we go into combat mode and we see the other party as a foe that we have to defeat, hurt. Uh, if you've seen somebody calm, here's another example of that, very evident. If you've seen somebody calm, loving, caring, warm, and then something happens and they flip into this, you know, uh, they misunderstood something. They flip into this, they change right in front of your eyes. They get, uh, their, their whole face changes, their tone, their attitude, they get provocative. And you're like, like an alien enters their body. And you're like, what the heck happened to you? And then they'll calm down, they'll laugh, and the alien leaves. And you're like, what was that? Yeah. And then they'll get upset about something again, and they flip back. That's the two parts of the brain. You see, that's a real good example of uh, the two parts of the brain. When the front brain is in control, the person is the real self, loving, caring, warm, soft. Yeah. Well, that's question, right? Yes. Um, how am I going to ask this now? Because I guess this is sort of quite a sort of a dicey thing because right, I'm sure all my listeners know that I only come from a place of, you know, of goodness where I'm trying to, you know, just actually genuinely want to learn. But you see what you're saying, right? It does make sense. And, you know, what don't you think it's a thing about how you there's I think that there's a bit of common sense. In terms of, you know, like if you want, there's this saying that I heard a long time ago that you catch bees with honey, not with fire. So, I mean, you know, if you want to, if you want to talk to someone, then wouldn't it make sense, you know, to talk to the person calmly, collectively or collectively and, you know, get your approach, you know, or get your message across so that the person hears you. But then also there's something that I heard a long time ago, right, that when you're reading an email, because obviously when we're community, the world has changed drastically, you know, over the last, I don't know how many decades, right? So for instance, when you're reading an email or a text message or something that's in written form, right? Because when we're talking, we have the different tones of our voice and, you know, people who know you sort of get to know, you know, what you're saying. So for instance, if you're like, um, you wanted to say something, right? And then the way you say, because of the tone of your voice, you would know this person doesn't really mean, you know, something bad from it. But then if you are putting something in text, then your brain would then have to pick up or whether it is, is this person being aggressive or is this person not being um, aggressive? So isn't yeah. that why I think I read somewhere before that it says that, you know, when you receive an email, you read it. As, and before, especially if it's one where you need to give a proper you know, like response that before you do that, take a few minutes away, take time away from that email so that you can go back and read that email with fresh eyes so that you can actually see what is there as opposed to what you think is yes. there. Because sometimes, you know, we're rushed off our feet and we read something and we don't actually read what is actually there. We just interpret what we think. Yes, well, let me respond to that. Actually, uh, there's people now are having text wars, you know, they're, they're getting upset and then they're sending these texts, 20 or 30 texts that are a page long. 
getting in touch with your anger. Deal with it now. The problem with texts is it only records 3% of the conversation. Uh, telephones um, filter out 90%, but at least you have tone and you know whether they're kidding or not, or it's easier to tell. But when you go to text, you're down to 3%. So here you are upset and the person's uh, sending this stuff. So naturally you're going to see it and you're going to take it in a negative way. So that's the problem with these texts and email communications. You miss all of the nuances. You know, if I say, I, you know, I think, I think, you, you know, your hair looks ugly today, honey, and I wake and laugh. Well, that, you know, I'm not serious. But if I send a text that says, you know, your hair looks horrible today, and I'm kidding, you're not going to know that. Yeah. So you, there's a better chance of you reacting against it. So let's get back to what you were saying before. Yes, it's common sense. It would, you would think this is not a good time to talk, but remember what we talked about. And that's what, that, that's what all conventional approaches are based on. What they do is they set up people to fail because here you are, we go into the counselor's office. Okay, so now we have all of these rules we're going to set up. When you're upset, you're not going to say these words. You're not going to do this. You're going to take a break. Uh, and what happens is we get upset. Remember, the front brain, that's front brain. We're storing it in the front brain. And the only time we can use it is when we're in front brain control, like my hand that falls asleep. Well, when we get upset, the front brain goes to sleep, so we cannot use it. So people come up with these rules in the therapist's or the office, or if you go on the internet, that's all you read. Uh, and they talk to their friends. They come up with these rules. They get upset, the front brain, genius brain, clicks off, back brain, hijack, takes over, and the rules go out the window. And now they're saying and doing the very things they, when they're in their calm thinking brain, they know it's crazy. And that's why when they calm down, what happens is then they get upset, we calm, we get away, we get calmer, blood reroutes to the front brain, it clicks back on, that's why then we have regrets. Oh my goodness, I feel so ashamed, uh, this, that. And then they make promises to themselves and their partner, I'm not gonna do it again. They get upset, front brain clicks off, back crocodile brain takes over, and then they do it again and over and over. So that makes common sense, but if you look at the science, it doesn't work when we're upset. We can't access that information. So mm. what it just does is it pushes people into further uh, problems because now they're like, hey, you know, it makes perfect sense. We go to this therapist, we go to these rules, and then we can't do it when the time comes. So they feel like a further failure where it's hopeless for us. It's, uh, you know, I'm losing self-respect for myself. I make promises and I keep failing. I'm worthless. It's Hopeless. What the conventional approaches do is they push they, people into what I call the dead zone. That's where there's no caring. So why bother fixing it? You know, one of the best examples I saw of the dead zone is I see a couple, this is about 20 years ago that woke me up to this process. I see this couple, they come in, the man is clearly dragging in his wife who doesn't want to be there. And she says right off the bat, 
uh, dear, I don't want to be here. You make all of these promises, not changes, and then you never follow through. And yeah. then, and then he says, uh, yes, dear, that's true in the past, but it's been different this time. In the last six months, I haven't had anything to drink, no women. And he went through this long list of things. And I said to myself, I think he's got it this time. And she said, you know, dear, I'm happy for you because I think you got it this time. And in your next marriage, you'll make a much better husband. And I said, ah, dead zone. It doesn't matter if you fix it, then it's too late. There's no caring left. So, you know, what I developed was an approach because people coming into counseling, yeah. maybe one disagreement away from the dead zone. Yeah. So I had to come up with something that stopped the conflict that minute. When they walked out of that session, they were not going to have any more conflict. So what I did was I spent the last 20 plus years tweaking the system and coming up with a way to shut the conflict off right there and then and prevent and start people coming off the mat, climbing out of the dead zone, reestablishing love, caring, uh, involved sexual involvement communication. And so that's what I came up with. That's what my untalk therapy approach is. As a matter of fact, I have a, uh, people get on my website, let's talk more love. I have a, a, are you in the dead zone quiz? They can find out where they rate. And now I'm, I'm about to put online a free webinar that's going to show people this whole approach, integrate science, holistic health, a new communication approach and give them some concrete tips. And this will all be for free on how to stop conflict right then and there. Uh, so that, that's basically what I do on talk, teaching people how not to talk when they're upset seems to make perfect sense, but it is a real difficult thing when people are caught up in this negative, um, this negative, pattern. I got to disrupt the pattern. I see myself as a pattern disruptor, a negative pattern disruptor. And then we're going to substitute a positive pattern in there and get you to start building back on your love and your intimacy and uh, your communication. Because what happens is there's two types of arguments. There's loud arguments where people are screaming at each other. I call the, the uh, you know, uh, mole on, uh, well, those are loud arguments. I call them arguments in the raw. And then you have stealth arguments where you have uh, people just drop looks at each other or comments. And there's this huge wall in the room, like with all these elephants and nobody will talk about. Uh, Mo of Three Stooges can, uh, fame would call that uh, arguments with a college education. Uh, everybody's polite but you can feel the tension in the air. Nobody's talking about these ongoing elephants issues and they hit this wall and they just keep bouncing off this wall and recycling and bouncing off and bouncing off. So uh, my approach is a way to get through that wall, to calm the conflict. You have to calm the conflict down before, you have to get through the conflict before you can deal with any issues, parent, child, money, because what happens is, let's say you have a parent-child disagreement, if you can't control the argument and get through it, every time you talk about the kids or your budget, it's going to explode, and then you're going to be down the road. Who did what to whom five years ago? You said this to me, and well, we're here to talk about the budget or the children, and we're all over the place. So the first step I found, the essential step is 
you have to control, you have to decrease the argument, the conflict, and then, uh, then you can go through that wall where you've been stuck with, you've been stuck on. So uh, it's a very simple approach. Basically what it teaches people is the skill on how not to talk when you're upset. But you know, that makes, that makes, you know, perfect sense though, because I'm sure I've heard somewhere, you know, it's like the same thing, you know, when you, let's say for instance, you want to send a professional email and you've read it, but then possibly something else is wrong going on in your personal life and you're reading, but you know, like, I'm not a professional in this sort of thing, but I would, I'm almost certain that I read somewhere that when you're reading, you only pick out certain words at the time to read the sentence. You don't go looking at A is, you know, you don't pick out, you know, everything. And so sometimes when you're sort of skimming and trying to read, you don't fully understand, you know, um, what the person is, is saying to you, right? Um, because and I'll give you a, an example, which, you know, is sort of like, it was a little annoying to me, but I was like, you know, but it's sort of, because it's happened recently, um, it's still, you know, at the top of my head, you know, so people, you know, send me emails, you know, sort of saying they want to come, you know, in my virtual cafe, they really like it and whatnot. So I have a media kit that I send out, you know, just to give people, um, you know, information about the show and stuff like that, right? I mean, and then so much, so I said to people, right, that, you know what, this is, you know, this, this isn't the format of my show. I don't want people who come on the show and blatantly just plug and advertise their business and go, oh, yes, you know, I'm coming on the show. This is my business. This is my website. Just come on my website. Just buy my product. It doesn't really add value to the show. So I said, you know, no advertising is allowed on the show. But if you would like to advertise, you know, that is, a, you know, something that we would discuss. And just let me know your needs and then we will figure out a way for it to not come across as you blatantly just advertise it on the show because i want guests to just come so that they're actually giving the listeners something of value as opposed to coming right so this is what you know i put all across i'm sure you've read my media kit and then so someone sends me an email and then goes oh why are you coming across as being you know all salesy you can't even come up and be so straightforward you you know and it was like and i'm like what i'm sorry is this the same media kit we're talking about someone is telling me that i'm being a saleswoman and saying that i'm saying that they must pay and i'm like so i replied I was like you obviously haven't read my you know my media kit because if you read my media kit, my media kit has not said any of these things you're accusing me of, right? So in my mind, like this person hasn't taken the time, is probably upset about something. Upset. Taken the time to read what I wrote and misinterpreted everything and is sending me an email accusing me of acting really? like a saleswoman and saying they must pay me before they come on my show. I've never insisted on people to pay me. It's a free show. But someone couldn't read and says, I've said they need to pay me. And it's like, what? There it is. You just, you just, they went into crocodile brain and uh, it's accusatory. That's what we do. We accuse, we attack, we mishear, we misinterpret. That's it exactly. They got upset. You just made my point. They get upset and then they're on the attack because we see the other party as someone out to harm us, deceitful, lying, all, all fabrication, just what, just what we talked about. The reality, our reality gets warped. And what we think is real and are convinced of it doesn't, is not true. So what happens is people get upset, including me, you know, poop happens as they say, uh, uh, we make false assumptions, we conclude they're accurate and right, and then we act on those, just what you described. 
And so for me, when I read a long email, right, when a, an email is more than a paragraph, I read it, but I tend to not reply immediately. I just go away and then come back. And then I actually, when I'm calm, I'm, you know, because I'm a mom, I've got my daughter with me. So most of the times I'm being distracted. And sometimes, you know, you're just like, oh, please stop, stop banking, stop. And then, you know, you're a little bit irate and then you're reading stuff and you've got that residual anger. So I always take my time. And sometimes, you know, when I've not got, you know, a quiet moment, right? It might take three, four, five days before I actually get back to reply to people. Like I'm looking in my email, I'm seeing emails that I need to do something with since the 9th of January. And that's literally because I've not had sufficient quiet moments, you know, to reply. Because when I want to reply, I want to be in my zen, you know, quiet, calm, collective zone. So that when I'm reading it, I'm actually reading it from a good place rather than being distracted and, you know, being overworked and overstressed, because sometimes you do misinterpret what people say. Yes, that's exactly. You hit on the solution. When you get calmer, and, and if you want to take a minute, that's, that's what my solution is. Identify, uh, you know, I have five steps to my approach, but identify when you are getting upset. I could feel my physical changes occurring, my heart's pumping harder, whatever it is. Uh, get away, go to another room, get, get calmer. Now you get calmer. How are you going to detox these chemicals? Physical exercise, uh, meditation, prayer, music, spirituality. Those are really good things. Music calms you down. Uh, and no, uh, reading a, a book. Somebody recently uh, this week said uh, he was a makeup artist. And when he gets upset, he's a makeup artist. When he gets upset, he starts doodling and, and coming up with creative ways to do make do makeup and uh, he calls it he said when i get in my creative brain i get out of my killer brain and i'm a whole new person I get <laughs> <laughs> so uh and meditation is really good uh for that and but also we need physical exercise because these chemicals cortisol adrenaline are made for movement that's why when we get upset we get antsy and everything because the body is ready for a fight or a flight so it's made for movement and the worst thing we can do when we're under stress is not physically move we have to drain off these chemicals otherwise they keep recycling in our body and basically they cook our insides and create enormous uh, Alzheimer's they increase Alzheimer's rate diabetes uh, I mean, we went down the partial list before. So we need a physical thing to drain it off. You got to move. And also we need a mental thing. We have to reroute blood from our back brain, which is growing. Remember, the brain operates at one billionth of a second. So while you're sitting there stewing over the other party, resenting, holding grudges, negative thoughts, the brain like a muscle is growing. It's adapting. It's getting ready for the next battle. So we need to reroute blood from the back brain to the front brain. So, you know, as my step program, you know, for your listeners is, uh, uh, you know, I'll tell you what to do. Um, or my approach is get in touch with when you're getting upset and then come up with at step one, be aware of the changes going on. Step two, you need a pause switch. Get Sorry, away. For a moment. <laughs> yes. Go ahead. Now, you'll see all you're saying, right, is applicable to adults, right? I want to say adults are like, for lack of a better way, and I don't mean this literally, are like a lost cause, right? <laughs> How do you work with children? 
right? Because children are the future adults, right? Children, as they grow, they are now coming in into, into their different emotions, especially as, you know, especially for young girls, right? When they start, you know, and then they go through the change, right? Where they're then having a period for the first time and they're dealing with PMS for the first time. And, you know, like seriously, PMS is a thing, right? Because when I'm, it's that time of the month coming, I just know, I'm like, okay, I just feel myself and I just know, like, I've got no reason to be angry. Nothing's upset me, but I just know that I'm already irritable. And I say to everyone around me, I am irritable. Be on yeah. your best behavior. Don't do anything that my crazy self would interpret in the wrong way. Stay away from me, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm older now. I'm not, you know, I'm not a teenager. Whereas when a teenager is sort of going through these things for the first time, they're still struggling or trying to find themselves. So do you do any work with children? How do you, or how would you help yes. families, you know, to deal with this thing so that they help children manage their emotions better? Okay, well, you raise a good point. When you're going through that change, that hormonal change, you're using your thinking genius brain to override your back brain. Now, uh, one, aware. I'm aware I'm in the state. Two, I know it's going to have detrimental effects. Three, it's my, it's my responsibility, if I want to eliminate those detrimental consequences, uh, to stay in control of myself. And these are the ways I stay in control. And I'm sure you have ways to do it. Meditation, whatever you use, you have your own mechanism. Skill. Yeah, you're talking about adults, though. I'm talking about okay. children. So let's well, take 10 yeah. year olds. Well, I want, I want to take that same template and I want to apply it to kids. And I do that with kids as soon as they have, that's the mechanism. That's exactly the skill that I teach people. And you can use that in parent-child issues. I have parents who are using it with their kids, even small kids. Stay out of crocodile brain. When, you're, when your child goes in it and throws a tantrum, one, be aware that that's what's going on. Two, you know, the, the parent-child issue has also gotten into, caught up into this uh, express yourself communication disaster. Always, how many times have you heard this? Always talk to your kids. Well, right? I mean, that thing is like a gospel. Uh, it's almost become a God, small g. So well, what happens is now the parents get guilted into always talk to the child. So the child goes into crocodile brain, is unreasonable, has fits, and, and everything the parent talks through, they twist into pretzels. And then the, per the parent goes into crocodile brain, and now the two are screaming at each other, and everybody gets pulled in. So this thing has been a disaster for parent-child issues too. So when I have parent-child issues, a lot of times if the child is young, like up to 12 or 13 or even up to 17, I, work, I try to work with the parents and show them how they can shut off the oxygen to their child's temper tantrum. At the same time, if I have access to the child, from about 12 or 11 on, they really can grasp this information very clearly. I just make it more simple. I show them pictures of, of the different brains. I ask them the same questions. Have you ever had this internal dialogue? They'll all say yes. Do you ever then say things you regret? Yes, I hate when I get like that. Okay, so here's how you change it. And then I give them a, a very simple approach. Get aware of it. Get away if you can. Get calm. How can you calm down? What will get you calm down? 
identify that and then get back around your parent or your friends when you're calmer and see you've just eliminated all those negatives. You want to try that this week? Yeah, yeah. So they go out, they try it, and then they come back and we tweak it where it worked, where it didn't. So I, I use it both ways with parents, with small kids, with children from about 11 or so on, depending on how intellectually available they are. Uh, some are more mature than others. And so it can be applied there. I, I, I haven't used it with business people. I, you know, a man came in recently and he was having these temper problems with his wife. We taught him this. He taught himself it. I just gave him the information. I'm like a coach. And then he started saying, you know, I started seeing this at work. I've been getting complaints. He's a manager, big wig C, C uh, manager. Uh, and uh, he's like, I've been getting these complaints for years about how harsh I was with people. I never realized I go into my crocodile brain and I'm a beast with people. So he says, now I'm applying this and I'm getting like softer with people. I'm listening to what they have to say. Well, initially he came in with problems with his wife and having a temper. You know, she said, hey, I'm leaving. You don't know, control this demon in you that comes out when you get mad. He got a handle on that, improved his marriage. And then his um, work performance went up. But here's another interesting thing. Let me give you this example. I have a, a young man comes in, early 20s. He's coming in. His mother's sending him, sending him in. He's, he's living with his mother, and they get in these constant arguments. So I give him, and he comes in, and he says, hey, my mother's got a problem. Uh, she's stubborn. She's bossy, et cetera. She's always got to win. And so we, we, we started talking about him, and he saw this information. He started working on controlling his temper with his mother and within a few months uh, got to the place where he was talking to his mother in a calm way when she lost it. Hey, mom, why don't you grow up? You're acting like a little child. Man, what a reversal. At the same time, we started talking about his health. He came in. He was pre-diabetic, was, was on medicine for hypertension, uh, was about 150, 200 pounds overweight. So when I started showing him the connection, between his communication style, its impact on his life and his health, he got onto this health thing and uh, got off of all sugar, is doing a ketogenic diet now, has lost about 60 pounds, is working out. His stepfather has said, hey, I wanna join the gym with you and we can work out together. So he came in, this is a holistic approach. He came in with blaming his mother as the one with the problem, and within a short time, he got control of his anger. He was calming his mother down, and he got off. He was no longer pre-diabetic, hypertensive medication he was off, and he was losing weight and exercising and going in tremendous directions. So, you know, this is a holistic approach. Welcome to the 21st century. You know, we're here to treat the whole person. The communication approaches are so two-dimensional. They leave out all of these things we talked about. They require two people to cooperate when, you know, half the time the other party won't cooperate. They blame the other one. They won't go in for help. You can't do anything because they require we talk to each other in a calm way. Well, you're not going to get that. Uh, in the health. Matter of fact, what they do is they'll calm, they'll jack people up, get in touch with your anger, don't take anything from anybody, and then they'll teach people, okay, so now to calm down, we're gonna, you're going to take yoga, you're going to exercise, you're going to do Pilates or whatever. So they get calmed down, they go home from the gym or the class, and the other party does something, 
get in touch with your anger. They jack them up again. So they're working at cross purposes, uh, shooting people's inflammation up and then calming it down and then shooting it up again. Uh, I don't understand this though, because I know, you know, anger is an emotion and we do all feel angry and stuff, but wouldn't it then be more beneficial to say, you know, deal with the cause of your anger. What exactly is it that you're angry at? So if someone's done something, then when you take a step back, then reassess it and then say, you know what, right? When you did this, it upset me, made me angry, right? And, you know, sort of try and make sure that the cause of that anger isn't there as opposed to just getting angry. Okay, well, yes, except you're missing one part of the puzzle. Uh, remember what happens to the brain. We go on to crocodile brain yes. hygiene. Yes, so, yes, my bad. Sorry, I forget that the front brain has gone on, has gone on sabbatical. Yes, it's gone. You know, it's, it's gone. They can't do it. Everything they see about the other party, they're, uh, they're suspicious, they're paranoid, they're blaming constantly. You know, somebody will come in with a temper problem, male or female, and I'll, we'll start working on it. And the first thing they'll say is, well, what about my partner? You know, that's, that's, that's crocodile brain hijack. It's focused on the other party. Protect, hypervigilant, hypersensitized. So what you're talking about is something that, that most people in conflict uh, can't do. And if they uh, aren't thinking that way, first of all, because they're convinced, absolutely convinced that the other party is the problem. Yeah. And if they're not, when they get upset, they can't stop it. That's why they keep doing the same thing over and over and hate themselves for it. So you're making perfect logic, but you, you're making, you know, no disrespect here, you're making the classic mistake of because I'm calm and I'm thinking about this, everybody and should be able to do this. But, you know, we can't do it, including me. I cannot even do it when I get past a certain point. So I have this built-in stop switch. Then when I feel my stomach, uh, that's my sign. People tell me <laughs> when my stomach starts nodding up a certain way, I know it's uh, crocodile brain kicking on. It's not indigestion, you know. <laughs> so I get away. And I have enormous self-control after practicing this, practicing this for 20 years. But even sometimes I get snuckered. Now, here's another thing that, uh, have you ever, you know, sleep distorts our everything. Sleep, when we lose sleep, it affects us on so many different ways. But what it does is it makes the front brain weaker and the back brain stronger. You know, when I lose sleep for a couple of days, I don't even like being around myself, let alone anybody else, you know? So people start losing sleep. And what we do is we get in this cycle, stress hits, we uh, flip into crocodile brain, our lens darkens, we communicate in a conflict-seeking way, it provokes an argument, we get along more poorly, I feel worse, I'm not sleeping, I'm not eating, uh, more stress chemicals are released, my lens darkens more, I provoke an argument, or we get into more arguments, and now we're in this feedback loop, negative feedback loop, the brain responds by expanding, which makes it easier to occur. So it's progressive, triggers are quicker, uh, escalations worse, recovery is increasingly incomplete. That's where the dead zone comes in. You haven't gotten over number 25 and you get hit with negative interaction number 26. And eventually you get to a place where there's no recovery and you're in the dead zone. So we're now we're on this negative feedback loop and we get to a place eventually where if we say something, we get into it, 
And if we don't say something, we get into it. So we're in a lose-lose situation no matter what we do. It's like the bridge is out, but we can't turn off the locomotive. And it's a really frightening place because you see where this is leading. Uh, my kids are not going to have a, a two-parent family. I'm getting more and more depressed. Uh, uh, the more we try something, it gets, we, it, if we try something, it, it, it gets worse. If we don't try something, it gets worse. I mean, that's a really desperate place. And then what happens is we all, including me, look for fill-ins because we're feeling so bad. So now people add temporary, put that in quotes, but in the long run, make it worse. So what do we do? We turn to alcohol frequently. Well, alcohol makes us feel good at the moment, but it's a depressant. It also weakens our front brain and makes our back brain more active. So we get more provocative. So uh, we turn to alcohol, pornography. Um, we get over-involved with our kids, with uh, our animals, um, all of these things that are gambling, overspending. So now we're plugging in these temporary um, fill-ins uh, and in the long run make us feel even worse because now we're getting hooked to the alcohol, we're having debt problems, uh, the kids, uh, it, it just gets a mess. So the whole thing starts feeding on itself like a snowball rolling down a hill. That's the bad news. The good news is all you have to do is train yourself, learn the skill, very easy thing to do of when am I getting to this fight or flight response, just like you have talked about. You developed a pause switch. Okay, I need a pause switch. I need to get away mm. before I engage the other party, not after I say all these horrible things. And then get back, detox it. Uh, drain it off and then get back around the other party and then continue the conversation. Have you noticed that when we're upset, we have these issues and then when we get calmer, a lot of times they're not issues. They're like, oh, I don't even want to bring that up. That's crazy. It's so stupid. It's so small. That's the difference. The back brain sees everything as life and death. The front brain has perspective. So uh, that's why we should always operate in the, in the front brain, our genius brain. And that's what I try to do is untalk. Stop talking. Learn the skill to stop talking when you're upset. Identify when it is and then stop talking. Uh, and, uh, and then re-engage, which is step four of my approach, re-engage when you're calmer. That's it. Very simple. I mean, and clear. It's not simple to do when you're caught up in it, but it's very clear cut. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's truly, it's truly amazing. But one of the things that I do like though, is that, you know, you're not just looking at adults, but you can also deal with, um, you know, families and children, because I think, you know, helping a child to get in touch with their emotions, know how to handle their emotions from a young age, you know, would sort of help them and the adults that they grew up, you know, to become. Because sometimes I think it's when, I mean, again, I am no expert and, you know, all I'm saying is just sort of, you know, what, you know, I'm assuming or what I'm guessing or whatnot. But I think, you know, when a child doesn't really know how to manage their emotions from when they're young, then you feel, you see that the amount emotions sort of get out of control when they're older. Or what do you think? Oh, yes, exactly. What we do is we learn habits and then they become non-thinking. And then uh, remember the brain adapts. So, and it's progressive. So what starts off as temper tantrums 
early on in life, later on becomes explosive, rageful outbursts yeah. that are highly destructive. Uh, that's a very, using my system, it's a very easy thing to fix. That's the nice thing about it. Quick results, you know, uh, easy to understand. Everything we talked about today is, you know, people listening are probably saying, yeah, I see that. I see the conversation in my head. I see when I try to talk about stuff when I'm upset, it makes it worse. So it's a very easy thing to grasp. It's all based on science. And the nice part about it is it can restart restoring love again. Wouldn't that be great? It you, would. Yes, no more, less divorce, no affairs because you're hurting so bad and you need affection from elsewhere. Uh, the kids have a, an intact family and they're not listening to parents argue each other, which just tears kids up. Uh, no suicidal thoughts, no turning to excess alcohol or drugs to feel better over the pain you're feeling from the relationship issues. I mean, I get great joy. One of the things I like going on about these shows is I get great joy in seeing and handing out this information uh, and seeing people turn their lives around and saying, oh gosh, we were, you know, a few weeks ago, a few months ago, we were, we were, we were, we stopped at your office before going to the divorce attorney and now we're, we're, we're having fun together. We're loving each other again. I, I thought it was gone. I didn't know it could return. Uh, that gives me immense joy. So I'm glad to share this with, with, with your viewers. No, it's been, it's been my pleasure having you. So tell us again. So this is called On Talk Therapy. Yeah, my, my website is lesstalkmorelove.com. Uh, my Facebook site is uh, Untalk Therapy, and uh, people can go on my site. If, if they like me on Facebook, if they go on Facebook like me, we'll, we'll stay in touch. If they go on my site, there's a quiz they could take, are you in the dead zone? Regardless, um, shortly I'm working on the final piece. I'm gonna have a free webinar. It's gonna be about 45 minutes in which we're gonna have graphics. I'm gonna be wearing a crocodile mask to make my point, it's going to be a fun thing, and I'm going to give people concrete things on, on what to do with this. It'll be a good thing for their family to watch, even their kids. So sign up for that, and uh, who, knows, who knows what good will emerge from that. I'm excited to, you know, to offer that for people at no cost. No, that's, that's fabulous. I think, I think you know, you're, you know, you're in with a good thing. And if you can definitely, because again, I know adults, you know, we all need the help and whatnot. But I think if we're able to get in there with children, you know, because again, children are the future. They are the people who are going to be looking after us when we're in our nursing homes, we're in the hospital. So, you know, we need to do right by them now. Because if not, you know, because I've seen situations, you know, where, you know, carers are the ones abusing their, you know, the people, their clients and stuff like that. So we need to get in there now and help the children, help them better manage their emotions so that they grow up to be well-rounded individuals. And if you can even help just one child, one family, that you would have my, you know, my full round of applause and my support um, from that. So, well, thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been an honor. Yes. So everyone, it's on Talk Therapy on Facebook and, you know, you can, uh, then once you go there, I'm sure you can find all the different, um, all, all the different links. 
But my little girl, she was supposed to say goodnight or good, uh, see you later, but she's fallen asleep. That's why it's been so quiet. I wondered if you guys you heard her snoring at one point. Uh, but yeah, so we've been, on, we've been at football club today, so she's well tired now. Um, so I think I'm going to go call it a day myself. But until next time, everyone, this is the Shekilola Salami Show. Bye now.